0: Welcome to the Animal Files podcast. We have another special guest for you. We have David Barrett, who is doing such incredible work in two very incredible charities. I can't stress that enough. And doing everything he can to help give the animals of this planet a voice. And we are so happy to have you. I am going to let Miranda break all of it down and and then you can expand on what you actually are doing.
2: Well, it's wonderful to talk to you and you're quite right. Animals need us more than they've ever needed us before. So all of us need to be cognizant of that and do everything we can to help.
1: Absolutely. I originally learned about Network for Animals through a business connection of mine, who had shared with me the work you were doing in Ukraine right now. But that's not the only country that you support. You support, I believe, it was 26 countries. At the yeah, moment. we work.
2: We work in 26 countries. We're we're a very fast-growing organization, and now policy is that. Network for Animals involved, is involved in direct action on the ground. And one of the reasons that we're growing as fast as we are is that people have learned that we keep our promises. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's, that's important. It, it, it's very, very important to actually not apply a Band-Aid to a situation, but to try to work for the long-term solution to problems. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
2: and that's I what agree. we try to do. But Ukraine has dominated our work for the since the outbreak of the war. We were, if not the very first animal charity on the ground there. We were certainly amongst the very first. and um, I'm very proud of the work that we've been able to do there. We are literally helping thousands of dogs and pets and mm. um, working with some unbelievably brave courageous people who are helping animals
1: that's amazing i i have heard a couple of horrible heartbreaking stories that have occurred in connection to the shelters there that some of these workers are just being intentionally harmed or killed just because they're trying to go and do their their work or serve the animals have you heard that
2: We know that the Russians deliberately targeted some zoos.
1: Oh, okay.
2: They literally, we are helping as much as we can there. Um, I must tell you that philosophically, our organizations are opposed to zoos. We do not believe in captive animals, but when it comes to a situation like the one in ukraine where the animals are starving and have no hope really of being removed from the situation all mm-hmm. we can do is try to get food supplies in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, we have footage of video footage and still shots of intentional bombing of the animals uh, bombs literally exploding in the animal enclosures oh my
1: goodness oh, it, it, that's horrible
2: some of the things you see in <sighs> ukraine you can't really, you can't credit it and you don't want to even imagine it. I'm Mm -hmm. sure you've seen the images of whole families slaughtered and their animals still in their pet cages being transported. Mm -hmm. and We just find it extremely sad. I'm always struggling to find the word that human beings can do that so callously To Mm. innocent creatures that have no part of any politics or any war, they just happen to be in the way and they're easy targets and they bore the brunt of it. And Mm. some of the horror stories that you see are just shocking like people who are forced to flee their houses and they hope to come back to rescue their animals, so they left them locked in the houses and then the people don't come back. So, Mm. we've had actually. Teams of people in some areas going house to house, actually having to break in to save the animals. Oh wow! <laughs> and and sometimes it's too late. Oh. But I, I've got to say that the courageousness of the ordinary people and one of one of the p- groups that we work with, we've we quickly created a network of organisations ranging from very professional animal shelters to ordinary people on the ground, but. One of the groups that strike me as an example of the human spirit to fight cruelty, it's a group of pensioners called, they're an informal group. They call themselves animal guardians and they live outside Kharkiv, which was occupied by the Russians and which came under heavy assault. Before the war broke out, these were a group of friends who basically got together took a little from their pensions, each contributed a little from their pensions, their very small pensions, I want to stress, mm-hmm. and used the money to feed the animals.
0: Oh, oh amazing. Now, Bless them.
2: Now, uh, among them are disabled people, uh, people who are too old and frail to, to, to be evacuated. When the war broke out, they made a decision to stay. And mm-hmm. while the bombs were falling, they'd leave their bunkers to feed the animals. I want to. You. I want you to imagine a little old guy in a wheelchair wheeling himself from a bunk, bunker to give dog food to street dogs and cats. I think that's oh. wonderful, oh. And oh, I, yeah. I love him already. <laughs> yeah, isn't it amazing?
1: It and, is it's um,
2: incredible. And then we have to salute the Polish animal groups as well because. Those on the border, uh, we work with one group, FADA. They're right on the border with Poland. And before the war, they weren't a shelter. They were an animal clinic. And when the war broke out, they rose to the occasion. And they started going into Ukraine and rescuing the abandoned animals. And we partnered with them. And uh, we bought them an ambulance, an animal ambulance. And Mm. they take the ambulance in filled with food, and then they used to be able to bring animals back into Poland. And mm. between us, we've managed to rescue fifteen hundred dogs and cats. Oh,
0: that's wonderful! Oh, wow. but of course,
2: they, they didn't have any space to put them, <laughs> so we built a doggery, we built a cattery, and we've entered in partnership with other fa- fabulous organisations. Another one called Dios that literally ferry the animals to shelters that do have space. So. It is amazing that people there are wonderful people who care about animals I think animals bring out the best in us because I agree these people risk their lives you know these are these are ordinary people we've got a three man team there at the moment tomorrow we've got a big spay and neuter program because another problem is that all these pets that have been abandoned in the streets there is going to be a a massive population explosion Mm -hmm. for those that manage to survive.
0: I agree with you with that the best of humanity comes out when animals are in the mix. It's a glorious sight to behold and I've seen some footage of ordinary people like you had mentioned that just rose to the occasion and climbed into bomb buildings to save animals.
2: Oh yeah. Every day.
0: It's just incredible to me. And I am, I just, I can't help but have so much love for the Ukrainian people and those, and even the Russians and the Polish and, and every other person in that region that does everything they can to help protect and save the animals. It's just incredible to me, and it gives me hope for humanity.
2: I'm very proud of our team at Network for Animals because when war broke out, I was unable to travel. I was fully committed somewhere else. So I I cast around amongst my team who was available, and there were two junior young women in my office. One had never traveled, and one had traveled very slightly. Without hesitation, they got on an airplane and went into Ukraine and Poland. Oh, wow. And they were innocents abroad, but they did such wonderful work. But it takes a, a toll. I managed to get another team in, and they were driving just outside Odessa on a mission to get food to zoo animals. And the driver said to the leader of the team, you best be careful here ducked down because we know there are snipers in the area. And the next minute, the driver of the vehicle ahead of them was shot. They killed him. That poor guy, our guy, Mark, Mark Ward. Thank you, Mark Ward, if you're listening. He was so traumatized. He went back to South Africa. And then he thought about it and said, nope, I'm going back. And he's back there today.
0: Oh, my God. I love people like that. That just, I can't even... I can't even put into words how grateful I am to people like that.
2: Yeah, it's they're just amazing. And then the one girl, Taylor Lance, thank you Taylor Lance, who um really went through trauma there just dealing with uh, you know we could go to the areas. I'm getting tears in my eyes I, when I think about it. I get tears in my eyes because mm. they see such terrible things. And Taylor was dealing with mutilated animals, but animals oh. with oh shrapnel embedded in their wounds Mm. and I had to pull her out because you can only take that torment for so long Mm. and I I kept her there for 10 days and all she's doing is nagging me to send her back (laughs) she says she feels too guilty Mm. staying outside but look we're doing good work I'm really proud of the work we're doing but I also want to say we couldn't do it without ordinary people or people like your listeners that care about animals that help charities like ours and i'm not putting a pitch in for network for animals there are hundreds literally i think hundreds of good charities around the world really doing their best for ukraine and um, Mm -hmm. and it's the ordinary people that make it possible for this to happen but i bet they never realized that some of their money would be used for me to buy bulletproof vests I never thought that would yeah, be- Well,
0: you got to do what you got to do, right? I
2: never thought that would be part of my job description. <laughs> yeah.
0: <for the> <laughs> yeah. I'm just so impressed with people like yourself and charities all around the world that are doing everything they can. I mean, there are people that can only do a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit, and they're still doing it. Mm-hmm. And I love that mindset where it says, you know, I, I can't give much, but I'm giving what I have.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, people are amazing. People have supported us very strongly. We've managed to buy four animal ambulances and they don't come cheap. Mm. And I've lost track of how much uh, dog food we've bought. And our latest venture in Ukraine, which we're launching, I think, today, or it may have been yesterday, is we've commissioned a dog food plant to manufacture dog food for us specifically. And we've bought them a specially reinforced vehicle with metal shields over the windows and we're distributing the dog food free of charge to anybody who needs it in the war zone wow literally Mm -hmm. driving around a free dog food distribution vehicle bulletproof
0: so Mm -hmm. amazing oh Mm -hmm. my goodness thank you so much yes (laughs) i'm like i'm i'm radiating gratitude right now
2: (laughs) well Well, thank you. But we couldn't do it without people like you. Your your work is incredibly valuable, you must know that. You allow us, the workers, to have our work known about. And without that, we would be lost, you know, we wouldn't have any support. So thank you for what you do. You're very welcome.
0: That is our intention, and you are most, most welcome, because... That's all we want to do. That is the main premise of this entire show is to give animals a voice. And the best way we can do that is to have those who understand animals who are in the trenches, so to speak, speak for them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that is why we do what we do. Anybody out there, if you want to get your message out about the great work you're doing to help protect these animals you are more than welcome to also be a guest on our podcast because we need to get the world to see the beauty of humanity, especially when it comes to the animals. You know, what's really
2: nice is how grateful the animals are. Mm. Mm, Yes. And one of the stories that always touches me with Taylor Lance, the woman I mentioned earlier, Taylor was receiving dogs that had been evacuated from Ukraine on on the Polish border. And she found a mother with, I think it was 13 puppies. And the mother was so terrified she wouldn't leave the transport cage. And she Mm -hmm. had such post-traumatic stress disorder that she was shaking. But Taylor managed to coax her out of the cage and they put her in a safe space. And she was shaking and shivering, staring at the wall. And yet she still let her puppy suckle from her. Isn't that wonderful?
1: It is. I've seen amazing videos and stories about how animals respond to things and how they can still have trust or regain trust for human beings despite whatever trauma they might have gone through.
2: They love us and they want to be with us and they have great faith we are their friends and we just have to live up to that Mm -hmm. it's a privilege i mean if you haven't had a dog or a cat in your life then you've missed out really badly they give you so much back Mm
0: -hmm. i can't even imagine my life without an animal Mm -hmm. i've had one since the day i was born and i i can never not i think i've had maybe four months of my entire 52 years without an animal Uh and that wasn't by my choice (laughs) Yeah, I can't I can't even imagine it. The animals not only do they love unconditionally if you treat them with compassion, but the companionship and the connection that you get from being with an animal and, you know, helping them and being a friend to them is just something that you cannot even describe. It's really such a beautiful connection. Even when they're being brats, like mine is today. <laughs> She's been walking around me the entire time we've been talking, but I would never have it any other way. Let her be a brat. Let her walk around me and come in front of the microphone like she did when you were talking before. <laughs> I graciously accept that. It's just, they're beautiful. Yeah. And anybody who's experienced that level of connection, I think that's the one gift that you can't put a price on. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and uh, one of the nice things is when we manage get an animal adopted, we are not primarily an adoption agency, but we help out where we can. And to see the joy in a dog that goes home with his forever family, that's mm-hmm. a great day. Even if it's one mm-hmm. dog, you know, it's a great day.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have a puppy yourself, correct?
2: Charlie. Charlie is a rescue Charlie comes from the, sl- the from the slums of South Africa and hmm. he was trained to be a fighting dog because i have to say he's not the best looking dog he's built like a barrel and, <laughs> s- <laughs> and strong but he had no fighting instinct at all so they used him as kind of bait for the other dogs oh. uh, illegal dog fighting is a much bigger scandal than the world even begins to know about and it's big business millions can be bet on the outcomes of dog fights in south africa and it's completely illegal incredible
0: oh it's so upsetting
2: so what they use poor old charlie for because he was strong and not easy to hurt they put him in the ring with the vicious dogs to Mm -hmm. see which of the vicious dogs would attack him with the most vigor and then Mm -hmm. they take the dogs out take poor old charlie back and bruised he's full Mm -hmm. of scars and torn and Aww. uh but all charlie wants is walks a human being to stroke him and endless affection and food, <laughs> most most importantly food <laughs> i love it i
0: love it it's so amazing i mean no matter what they are i mean they get traumatized and the animals that are you know in ukraine right now they're going to have wounds but they never allow at least in my experience with having rescued animals, they never allow the trauma and the wound, whether it's emotional or physical, get in the way of their love. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I often think about poor old Charlie with, with whoever his previous owners were. I mean, how could they do that to Charlie? All he ever wants is love.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And to knowingly take that poor dog, throw it in a ring of vicious dogs that they're going to try and tear into pieces. It just... I don't get it. I don't get that. Do you get that? I don't get it. No. Nope. Yeah. yeah.
0: I can't even fathom it. Why they would even think that would be an option. I mean, I just, I can't, I can't grasp the concept, mm-hmm. which I guess that's a good thing, Yeah. <laughs> but I just can't even grasp the concept of just the lack of compassion that certain humans have for animals, the planet, other humans. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just can't. I can't figure it out. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I know we all kind of come with our own baggage and maybe that's a part of it, mm-hmm. but I just, I can't, I can't understand it.
2: What so. I can tell you about Charlie is he thoroughly disapproves of my job. Oh he, really? Because like, he doesn't he like you being go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And when I, when I pull out the suitcase he does not like it. He goes in the corner and sulks, you know.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> my cat kind of does the same thing when I go to leave the house because I don't leave the house very often because I work from home. And when I go to leave the house, she'll it, it's like the second I put on clothes and I can't even wear shoes in the house because she'll go deep behind the couch and and sulk because I'm leaving her.
2: Yeah. I, I was thinking about what you said about how how can people do it? I. I think, in a way, there's a mindset from a previous generation, particularly in the poorer countries, where animals just simply were tools rather than mm-hmm. that any creatures. We work a lot in the Balkans, and we chose to work there because after the fall of communist Russia and the disintegration of all those states, communist Yugoslavia broke up into several states but they inherited a heartless mindset and one of the things that they did was when they drew up their legislation dogs were called vermin
0: Mm -hmm. oh my
2: goodness they are treated as vermin Mm -hmm. and to give you an example one of the worst examples I can actually is I was in Montenegro where we support I think four or five dog shelters and um what's really interesting is wherever you go there's always a few people people like you guys who really care who really care and they always are motivators and they start shelters and eventually they find their way to people like us and then we pour money in if we can afford it and we lift the standard of care and i was in montenegro with Working with them and my translator, who is Bosnian, please, please, please spare a day to come to Bosnia. I've got to show you something that's the worst thing you'll ever see. So I said, Well, you know, I'm a little busy. There's my South African coming out. <laughs> I should rephrase that, unless it upset your, your listeners. So that I'm, I'm really, really, really busy. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll come. And she took me to a, a town called Trevinger. And there, what they do, it's like a Disney cartoon, Lady and the Tramp. They have a long pole, round up the dogs, who are street dogs, and dump them on the local rubbish dump. And Mm -hmm. there they live. I've never seen so many flies. I have never seen dogs. So many flies, the dogs, their fur. Oh
0: my gosh, that's so sad.
2: Isn't that terrible? And the result of that is that that's the first place that we are building our very own dog shelter. We usually work in partnership with others, but there's no way I could have left those dogs. And I said, okay, we will build you a dog shelter and mm-hmm. we'll do it properly. Wow.
0: Thank you so much for doing that. Oh my gosh. May the gods smile down upon you for eons.
2: <laughs> it's very kind. But and I have to say that, I said it was an old mindset. And what's happened now, particularly in those Balkan countries, is a younger generation are coming up and they see the value of animals. And when I went to the municipality and explained to them that this was totally, totally unacceptable, the guy came to see for himself and they're giving us full support. So
1: we're
2: we're working very hard on that. And I hope to have it finished by June, but it's not going to happen bureaucracy you know there's always but it's going to happen it's going to happen not having those dogs on that rubbish dump no way
1: (laughs) yeah yeah there's been some strong influencers in the past who have led people to believe that animals are dumb that they have no feelings that they can't feel pain and all of these types of things and A large majority of people in the past, I think, have believed that to be true. And now people are slowly starting to realize that animals are sentient beings. They do have an intelligence. They are able to feel they are both pain as well as mental stress and that they deserve our compassion and respect.
2: I wish we could get the message through to the Chinese. One of the things that we fight is commercial gain. Mm. When money's involved, ethics go out of the window. Mm. Yeah. And one of one of our biggest problems in our charities in the work in Africa is to fight the illegal trade that emanates from China for wild creatures or even for example donkeys. There are 44 million donkeys in the world. They play a vitally important role in Africa where they're used to transport Fetch water, firewood, and the Chinese make a cosmetic called ijayo from donkey skins. Mm. And they want 2 million donkey (gasps) skins a year at the moment. wow. That's insane. It's insane. If you think there are 44 million donkeys in the world, and the Chinese are killing 2 million donkeys a year, what's going to happen? They're going to become extinct. (laughs) And they will not listen. They do not listen. They do not care. So we've been fighting the donkey skin trade because it's so vitally important, not only for the animals, but for the people who depend on them. You know, if you take away the donkeys from the equation in rural African villages, who become the people that fetch the water and the firewood? It's the children or the women. So they become donkeys. Mm. People do not understand. Uh, We've been fighting it for a few years and we are having some success. And we've had a big win recently because we discovered in Tanzania an illegal slaughterhouse that was killing 10,000 donkeys a year. And we actually sent in an undercover team. And when they got there, they discovered that they had a humane killing machine for the donkeys. Humane, I use the word advisedly. (laughs) And um, they kill the dog they're supposed to kill the donkeys by sending an electrical pulse into their brain theoretically it's supposed to kill them instantly mm-hmm. but they, were- they uses electricity and it was expensive so they were beating the donkeys to death with hammers. oh
1: my god oh my gosh
0: those poor donkeys i love donkeys so much and just the thought of that breaks my heart
2: yeah it was ghastly beyond belief but we did win we got the donkey's
1: yeah, oh, great.
2: and we even had a bigger victory because what we did is we videoed it and we paid for the government officials to go and see for themselves while the slaughterhouse was still operating and as a result of that work Tanzania has banned the slaughter of all donkeys
1: oh that's awesome love it
2: yeah so when you do that then you think okay I can get up tomorrow morning because we do win occasionally because sometimes it feels like we just lose all the time that there are so many crises and so much work to be done. And then it's a good feeling when you have a victory like that.
0: Mm. Yeah. I'm always a big believer As one step forward is still a step in the right yeah. direction. Even if it's just one mm. foot, Yeah, you know, if you're getting something done. You're going somewhere. We can't expect things to magically happen like a snap of the finger. Although that would be nice in some instances, but <laughs> It's still just that forward momentum. No matter how slow it is, no matter how small it is, it's forward momentum. It's getting you closer to your intended destiny. It's a
2: journey. Animal welfare is a journey. It's a, For domestic animals, I reckon we are slowly making progress. I think people are becoming more aware that animals are sentient creatures. That have as much right to be treated with dignity as any human being mm-hmm. one of the most frightening things that i work with is i mentioned that i work in two charities and the other one animal Survivor international is focused on the big issues that affect mostly wildlife and climate change and when i started really focusing on it i had not realized just what the implications of climate change for animals are. And now I know I'm terrified Mm. because droughts in Africa is destroying entire wild animal populations. We've just been in Kenya, where there's been a five-year drought in the northeast of Kenya, where there's, amongst many, many other vitally important animals, are endangered giraffes Mm. and the area is naturally dry. And after no rain for five years, these animals are utterly desperate and and dying. So we were there on a reconnaissance because we've learned that you have to see for yourself. You can't just take for granted what people say is the case, is the case, and you actually have to see for yourself to know what the solutions are. And we had a team there, and we saw them as terrible, terrible things. But one of the things that moves me most is that obviously these giraffes had traveled for many, many, many miles looking for water, and they'd finally reached the water holes where we were working to create solar pumps to put water into the water holes in the drought. And a baby giraffe reached the water and died.
1: Oh, no. Uh,
2: And then there are giraffe corpses littering the landscape. You have no idea how serious that is. uh, You you have to see it for yourself. And then when you see it, you never want to see it again. Mm. But we are working.
0: My heart is breaking right now.
2: The good news is that we're there.
0: Yes.
2: The waterholes exist. Is putting water into them. So we're supplying solar pumps to pump the water from the ground Mm. into the water holes. And we're doing that in Namibia, in Kenya and in South Africa, where we work very closely with the the Addo National Park, which is probably the best hope for the survival of African elephants anywhere in Africa Mm. because of poaching being such a scourge.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. Just the thought of that breaks my heart because every single animal, every single insect, every single thing that is alive on this planet is here for a reason. We may not know that reason and they may be very annoying like the mosquitoes and the spiders and all of that stuff, but they all have a purpose. And when one goes, you start this domino effect. And we've been in this domino effect of species after species after species becoming endangered and then extinct. It's heartbreaking. It is really to me I I see no I don't know. I I just I, I hope that we're not too late. That's I guess what I'm trying to say sure. because these animals really need us and they need people like yourself. They need podcasts and radio shows like ours. We need to get the word out because these animals are suffering in ways that they don't need to suffer. They just don't.
2: That, that's another thing that really gets me as well. So often, animal exploitation is accompanied by incredible animal suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, there's a creature called a pangolin, which yes. I bet you yes. Oh, few of
0: my goodness. I love pangolins. Oh,
2: we have lots in Africa, and the Chinese, there's a belief in Asian countries, particularly China and Vietnam that pangolin scales if you grind them up will cure a hangover it is a fantasy oh. it is a fantasy it's like believing that that somebody's going to offer me a hollywood contract to be a handsome leading man it ain't ever going to happen in my wildest
1: <laughs> they seem to have a lot of these strange beliefs that you know they create these products that are supposed to be to help your skin or to help your sex drive or to do these different things like being an aphrodisiac and stuff like that and that's like where do they get these ideas from I don't know
2: they make them up it's cynical marketing and they sell it as a delicacy Uh, what they do with the pangolins are poor things they serve them as delicacies in restaurants so they While they're alive, they skin them. They take the scales off. Oh,
1: my God.
2: And then you're not going to like this bit. Then they boil them alive. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Go figure. And you try to ask them why. Oh, no. This meat tastes sweeter if the animal suffers.
1: Oh, my gosh. It's the ego and the money that.
2: It's ego, money, and just. A cynical disregard for any creature that isn't you. Right. i could that, that I could, I gosh. could tell you horror stories all day about what happens to animals. In, in, but it seems to me, particularly in Africa, because we're not as law-abiding in Africa as you are in the United States, and our law enforcement is not as effective. So mm-hmm. it creates an opportunity for the criminals to come in and yeah. do pretty much what they want. And they fuel nonsensical beliefs cynically because it makes them money. It, because yeah. it makes them money. And they That's, what it, rate-
0: that's what it boils down to it's
2: money. Bunny. I mean,
0: I'm not one of those people that says money is the root of all evil, but it sure as heck doesn't make it better (laughs) in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, just like animals can bring out the best of humanity, money can bring out the worst.
2: Mm -hmm. It's true. We seem to have drifted into quite a depressing list. Of, but there's, there's lots of hope, you know. There is hope. We, we must never lose sight of that. We are managing to do really good work for everything from cats to elephants. Um, and uh, one of the programs I like best that is I love elephants. I just love elephants. Oh, elephants are great. Uh, and we are managing to expand their habitat in the southern mm. part of Africa. The virtue of where we work at the adda National Park in South Africa, it's a 1,000 miles from the poaching routes. Oh, uh-huh.
1: that's great.
2: And um, it's relatively, I have to be careful what I say because when it comes to poachers, you inadvertently give them a clue of how to get their animals because poaching gangs are sophisticated, usually Chinese, I keep, I have no, gripe with Chinese people. <laughs> I've been to China many times fighting for animals and there are some courageous activists there, although they risk their liberty fighting yeah. for animals there. Mm-hmm. Um, but often the gangs are Chinese gangs and we try not to give any information. For example, we finance anti-poaching teams at the arrow Park, but we will I mustn't give any information about how we do it but it is very successful. And we use a lot of modern technology. I think I can safely say that drones are a godsend for elephants because you can monitor them from high and sometimes invisibly, but we are managing to expand their territory. And it's the most wonderful thing. We managed to move a family of 27 elephants from an area where there was not enough water and no room for them to expand, and we move them into an entirely new habitat where the last elephant was trophy hunted 150 years ago, and we, oh, re- that's yeah. Oh. And now there's a, and we've got babies, and mm. the, it's just when it's great, it's just great. <laughs> And we've got so much work to do there. You know, and also I would like to say, if you're able to, once in a lifetime, come to Africa, see the wildlife for yourself. If you have that opportunity, you will know how important they are and be even more fer- be fervent in their defense. Uh, animals are cool.
0: I would love that. It's one of those things that are on my bucket list. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Going to Africa in general is on my bucket list because I was born up in Ethiopia. Well, <laughs> Ethiopia in 1970. It's Eritrea right now. I've always had a, a pull to just go there. I don't necessarily want to go to Eritrea, but I would love to see South Africa and all of the countries around there, the amazing wildlife and just to experience them in their natural habitat.
2: Your time to do it is running out because one of the big problems, of course, is habitat encroachment. As human populations grow, there's pressure on the the animals. Right. The time is running out when you will be able to really go and experience wild Africa. It's very hard for people to get to Africa. It's very expensive. Mm -hmm. But if you ever can, time is running out to see them on their own terms. And one of the few places you can do that, and this is a free advertisement for the Okavanga Delta in Botswana, because there you can live and see animals as they've always lived, completely untrammeled. It's a huge Mm -hmm. area where a river drains into a big desert. So the water level is very low and you get around in a dugout canoe but it's far from any civilization, and there you can camp out on a hillside, a little hillside. With the first time I visited there, you sleep in a tent on a little hillock sticking out of the water, and on I was sleeping in a tent on my hillock, and on the hillock just across the river, a family of lions were sleeping. That's the way to see Africa.
1: Oh, wow. oh my God! Just
2: hope they're not good swimmers. <laughs>
1: Right. Well,
0: but, I think tigers are the best swimmers in the feline family. <laughs> so, they're not really in Africa. No so. tigers in
2: Africa so I hope that somebody, just maybe one listener, if we convert one person to looking and caring for animals, we've had a good day, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I agree completely. Maybe for our listeners too. I mean, you've talked a bit about it both of the organizations that you're involved in, but maybe you could just go into a little bit more specifics of it so that our listeners are clear on what each organization does.
2: Right, I run two organizations. One is called Network for Animals, which was founded uh, a long, long time ago, 30 years ago, by one of the most remarkable animal activists of all time, a man called Brian Davies, who's still alive, although he's very frail these days. And he founded it because he single-handedly fought the Canadian government to end the baby white coat seal hunt in Canada, which he did very successfully. And the organization now works in 26 countries around the world. And we strive to help bring direct action to the ground. Where animals are in need, we try to be there. If they're hungry, we feed them. If they need medical care, we provide it. If they need shelter, we build them. That's what we do for Network for Animals. And then Animal Survival International, which deals with the macro issues that besetting the world in this era of climate change. Climate change is a real problem. I know that some people still don't believe it, but all you have to do is come with me to Africa and look at some of the drought-stricken areas, in Kenya, in, in Namibia, in South Africa, and you will know that we are as humanity, we are in peril. Mm-hmm. And, and we strive there to preserve and protect wildlife populations. That's what we do in a nutshell.
0: I love it. Thank you for all the work that you're doing. I just yes. I can't I can't thank you enough. We need louder voices of those that are doing the same work because there are millions of people who believe what we believe and are trying to Mm -hmm. do what they can we just need the voices to be louder
2: yeah and we need to influence governments and the authorities more because but sometimes it sickens me because right now we and other organizations trying to fight the south african government who for commercial gain want to issue permits to slaughter leopards, rhinoceroses, elephants, and oh, elephants.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: It's commercial mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: and that's so sad because I, I do know that there are some organizations in Africa that are really, the animals come first over the humans. I don't know whether it's villages or individual people or larger, but that contrast is incredible to me.
1: Yeah, and the, these people who do this for commercial gain have absolutely no concept on how they're actually affecting themselves.
2: No, I mean, how did, How can your soul, how can you justify on any spiritual or human level slaughtering an animal for the ego kick of saying I killed a leopard? Huh?
0: I can't, I can't fathom
2: it. And for our government, and I'm South African, I'm proudly South African, but when our government tries to encourage that kind of slaughter, it almost makes me want to emigrate.
1: (laughs) Uh, Oh my gosh. Yeah. It also affects the ecosystem as well, which is what I was kind of alluding to, because nature has its own level of control of controlling the population or of any living thing.
2: (laughs) We haven't got enough time. But you've touched on a really important issue there. Because one of the arguments of people who want to kill animals for, quote, trophies, Mm -hmm. say that always uh, you need to control the populations. Because in the old days, they could roam wherever they liked and now they can't. But that was never true. There were always boundaries. There was a mountain range in the way, Mm -hmm. or a river, or a group of triumphal people. There is no justification for what those people do. There is no justification Mm -hmm. for trophy.
0: I I completely agree with you. I think it goes back to the whole, I guess, need for control. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, if if animals overpopulated, humans would probably be the minority. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just put it plainly. And I think that scares people because they want to have control. But you know what? There's a balance. There is no control. nature has a way of
1: keeping a balance Mm -hmm. maybe we'll have to have you come on again and we'll have a more in-depth conversation about this
2: anytime (laughs) you're prepared to put up with me i'm prepared
0: (laughs) (laughs) well we love it yeah so where can people get more information about your charity organization
2: the network for animals we're on facebook we're, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on LinkedIn, but if you really want to get a good sense of what we do, it's our website is networkforanimals.org and please look at it. So our second charity, Animal Survival International, the website is animalsurvival.org. And I urge you to look at it because it's good and it tells you interesting things that you need to know about animals in trouble in the world.
1: And we'll put those links in the show notes so that our listeners will be able to access them.
2: Great. Definitely.
0: Yeah, we're going to have all of your information in the show notes. So make sure you check that when you're coming to listen to the podcast.
2: I shall certainly listen to the podcast.
1: <laughs> How can our listeners offer support to these organizations if they choose to?
2: Please donate. I'm not a fundraiser. That's not my job. And I'm always kind of embarrassed to say, look, actually, we really need money. But we really mm-hmm. need money. Uh, we, can't, we can't do what we do without the support of people who care about animals. And if you go onto our website, it's very easy to donate. Uh, it's a very simple process. And it doesn't matter if it's a dollar. Every dollar helps.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: We can't do what we do without animal lovers. We are, as you, your organization is a voice for animals. We are an organization that acts for animals. We can't do it without money. And we can't do it without, and the only people who are going to give us money are people who love animals.
1: Right. we
2: appeal to animal lovers to help us because we need it that's the biggest picture of money i've ever made i don't do <laughs> i don't do it
0: well we are honored to have that <laughs> <laughs> so you heard the listeners Get out there, go to the websites donate where you can again doesn't have to be a lot it could be a dollar every cent
2: helps I mean, it's all very well for me to grandly say, please give us money, but sometimes people can't. And another thing that you could really do is if subscribe to our newsletters and share them. We publish newsletters. Mm, that's a great and idea. And once a month we try to do a, a newsletter for both organizations where we say, This is what we've done this month. So you can always see what we're doing with the funds we do raise. So yeah.
1: And I would imagine, too, that on social media, people could share your posts as well to also help get the word
2: out. Yes. You you know that um, social media is the fastest growing aspect of our charities. I, I did not realize it until I hired a very smart woman who said, <laughs> you, you've got to do social media. And I said, OK, if you say so. And uh, she's done a phenomenal job spreading the word. We get a younger audience on social media. I would have to say that it's becoming, I am, alas, have to admit, a part of the mature generation. Um, (laughs) I I, I have to, to say that I am absolutely amazed at the reach that social media has and how much good we are doing through it. So share our social media pages, please. Now, uh, the lady who runs it for us is Debbie Cuarido, and she will be so pleased that I actually was prompted to tell everybody (laughs) about our social media activities.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, social media is the way the world's going. Uh, You're absolutely right. it, It is, and it's just, it's fast, it's direct, it's instant, and everybody is on their phones and their devices right now, and that's how people communicate. So... It's a good way. It's,
2: yeah, it is. It's a very it's, good way. It's
0: difficult to understand sometimes for oh, yeah. us older generation, but.
2: Well, you're a lot younger than me, I can tell you. I've had to, <laughs> I've had to learn.
0: Oh, I'm still a Gen Xer. So I remember when there were no
1: computers. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it amazes me every day. And there's always a learning curve because technology just gets faster and faster and faster. <laughs> and we are an instant gratification society yes Yes. that's why social media works so well
2: yeah it does it is the future well your program is kind of social media isn't it because it goes on it goes on yeah Yeah,
1: Yeah. i guess more like an audio social media rather than a a visual social media i suppose but
2: podcasts are huge aren't they yeah they are
0: they're becoming they're becoming the new radio
1: yeah
2: yeah you know i work all the time and so i don't I don't get much time off, to be honest. I don't actually know what time off is, really. I suppose <laughs> what it's what other people have.
0: <laughs> yeah, us, us people that work from home, too. That's We don't
2: understand what
0: it means to yeah. have a nine-to-five job and weekends off. It just doesn't happen.
2: <laughs> well, I suppose I wouldn't have it. Every, I reckon I'm very lucky to do my job. I reckon... I mean, if there's such a thing as karma, I must be redressing some wrongs for all my past sins.
0: (laughs) I'm sure you are. You may wipe it all out by the work you're doing.
1: (laughs) But when you're following a passion, it doesn't feel so much like work. (laughs) No, it doesn't. And the
2: more you do this work, the more it becomes a passion. Because Mm -hmm. sometimes we have people who come to... We're a small team, but we're growing. So we're hiring new people quite regularly now. And sometimes when they come in, these are younger people who aren't passionate necessarily about animals, but who have a particular skill. Mm. And I love the example of of our IT guy, Mm. because we've got a big database that has to be managed and he will proudly say he's a nerd, you know. (laughs) And he came to me two weeks ago and says, you know, I want to be a campaigner. Helping animals. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I said, "No, TJ, stay. Stick to your knitting. We need the computers." Yeah. <laughs> um, I find that as they come in, we enlighten them, and it's, it is a journey. It's mm. a journey.
0: Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I think the end journey is that you you will end up. As a spiritual person, mm. if you work with you cannot not. If you expose to that cruelty and the love that they have for human beings and the good that you can do, you cannot do that and not become aware of another dimension of your humanity.
1: Mm.
2: This is from someone who's a my organization prized me because I see a problem and I get it done. They don't uh-huh. didn't hire me for my spiritual spirituality, I can explain. <laughs>
0: I think what you just said just sums up everything.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, that's good. That's good. We're
1: so grateful that you agreed to come on to our show and we're blessed to be able to share what it is that you do and get the message out there. Anytime.
0: Feel free to invite yourself back whenever something is going on. We are going to have an open door for you (laughs) because (laughs) we want to help you get the message out. We want to help do our part to give these animals a voice and to advance the incredible work that your cherries are doing
2: be yeah. careful of what you wish for you might find me <laughs> knocking on your door <laughs>
0: <laughs> we love it so are there any last minute things that we want to mention before we let David go about his day
2: my evening I'm already oh, your I- evening we I- got through a glass of red <laughs> wine <by the laughs> have it A good Greek wine. (laughs) Yep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had a couple of other questions, but maybe we'll save it for next time because it won't really fit in with where we're at. Yeah, (laughs) you know what? I think
0: the the conversation (laughs) went the way it was meant to.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, I do rabbit on. I apologize.
0: (laughs) No, that's okay. We've had a lovely conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Even when we're exposing the truth of what's actually going on. But I think we did a really good job of bringing in the hope as well. Good. So again, thank you, David, for joining us today. Your information is incredibly valuable and I'm sure our listeners will take it and run with it and learn all they can. And hopefully at least
2: one person has their mind changed. Mm Let's make it a hundred people.
1: Yes. Let's make this, it <laughs> all of them.
2: this podcast is for a hundred people to become more aware of how important animals are and how they can help them. Yes.
1: Oh, you put the intention out there. So <laughs> yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> all right. So we will let you go and enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks again. And we hope to see you back here. In the future thank you
2: very much i look forward to being invited again bye bye now bye
0: i hope you enjoyed that incredible conversation we had with david such great work his charities are doing i definitely encourage you all to reach out to network for animals and animal survival international and learn more about the incredible work they're doing across this planet in africa and in Ukraine. And if you have any questions, don't forget, you can always reach out to us directly. Our email is the Animal at gmail.com. And you can always find us on social media: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Patreon, we're everywhere.
1: And our website is the So do a
0: search for the Animal Files Podcast and you'll find us. On Facebook, we are The Animal Files Official. That is our page. On Instagram, we are The Animal Files Official. On Patreon, if you wanna support the show, we'd love to have you. That is also at The Animal Files Official and Twitter. It
1: is just simply The Animal Files. And we've got merchandise for you as well if you wanna support that way.
0: So just go to our website and you will find all the links to all of the things Thanks for joining us and make sure to check back with us again. We have so many more interviews coming up this season and we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.